The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. And welcome back to the First Cut Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Kyle Porter. I'm Chip Patterson. It's Monday morning, and we've got um, we've got a fan favorite. And I actually, Kyle, wanted to, to as we are uh, celebrating the conclusion of the Wells Fargo, I want to ask about the being able to say like a fan favorite, but then like a golf fan's favorite. Because while our winner was not one of the 12, I just saw a, a huge outpouring of support from across the sort of golf diehard community. And so I hope I, I'm not uh, pushing away any listeners or any fans, but man, it, it felt like this one was a, a win for the insiders. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I, I, no, I'm not like talking smack in that, but like the people who really like grind on the web.com who enjoy watching uh, these players come and, and work their way onto the professional ranks, the players who aren't your Jordan Spieth or Justin Thomas, uh, you know, exploding right onto the scene. You know, like this was uh this this was a win for for the regulars. Yeah, I think I think Max Homa is somebody who, you know, we talk a lot on here about guys like Rory and Spieth, not because they're great. I mean, also because they're great, but but because they're incredibly like thoughtful about kind of the way they go about things, but they're thoughtful at a level at which most people never ascend to and so when you get somebody like Homa who has known kind of the the depths of professional golf in a way that those guys sort of haven't that thoughtfulness he, and he's thoughtful in the same types of ways that thoughtfulness plays out in a in a much more relatable way and, and I think that that's the part that's that's really interesting to me is that you kind of get inside the mind of somebody who has failed a lot in and not failed in a oh i made $200,000 this month instead of 2 million but failed in a in a sense of like i only made 18 grand this year you know mm. what's what's that like you know as a, as an adult and uh that's that's pretty interesting so, and, and so to to see him win it, it's just it, it's it's very relatable. I mean, in, in a real way, not in like a, oh, I can relate to Rory kind of way, but in like a real, like, th- this is, you know, kind of mirrors maybe our lives kind of way. Well, I, you know, I want to get you to sort of help the listeners who, who maybe didn't hear the broadcast on CBS get into its story, get into Max Homa's story. But in his post round press conference, you know, he was talking about pressure. And he said he was he was talking about the absence of pressure given everything that he's been through. You know, pressure was 
when he had to birdie the last four holes to be able to keep his professional status. You know, pressure was grinding, trying to avoid getting sent back to Q school. He said, uh, Rory's never had pressure like that. He was like, I know Rory hasn't ever had pressure like that. Like, what is the worst case thing that could happen to me? You know, I go out here, shoot an 80, or maybe I get a quadruple on the last and end up finishing second. Like, that's all great. And the perspective that he showed in the explanation kind of speaks to what you're saying there, that he has been through some stuff uh, to arrive here at this moment at Quail Hollow. Yeah, so Homa was a, uh, he played at Cal, won the NCAAs back in, I think, 13. I believe it's when he won at the individual title. And for the what you know, last six years he's basically been up and down between the web between the web tour and, and the PGA tour. And you know, he's made one point five mil in that time. Uh but had I mean which sounds like a lot, right, over six years, but the the amount of money going out for these guys, it's it's also significant. So it's not I don't think that I think that money is more like regular person money than it sounds like even though it sounds like a big number and and he's had some you know 2017 he plays 17 pga tour events misses 15 cuts makes 18 grand on the year and you're like well what you know and and he he had a great quote i pulled this quote he was on the no laying up podcast and i used this quote in my story because it was so good he said during that time where he missed the 15 of 17 cuts he said look if this takes four years, it takes four years, but I'm not going to waste a day, an hour, or a minute not trying to get better. That taught me to get my attitude to be so much more positive because I realized if you're playing that bad and you're also thinking negatively, they don't go together. I had to lie to myself and say, today's the day, dude. Today's the day we go shoot 65 and everything breaks apart and this starts to go in the right direction. Every time I thought I hit rock bottom, I found a shovel and dug a little deeper. It was shocking. I would come off golf courses in shambles, just mentally like, maybe I'm not supposed to do this. Then I'd be like, all right, wake up in the morning. I'm going to practice. I'm very, very proud of myself for doing that. It was really hard. Mm. And I thought that, I thought that was such, it's so good. And it, and it, if, if you can get on the other side of it, like if you can come out the other side of it, it, um, you're, you're very different for having like seen kind of the, the bottom of it and nobody wants that, right? Nobody wants to go through that, but, uh, you're, you're a different player and maybe even a different person for having gone through it. 100% different person, right? Yeah. Yeah. I I think so. I mean, I, I think that any sort of, um, fall or suffering in life like that completely changes like who you are as a person so how do how does max homa's story does it serve as a um as a motivation for some of the the players that are out there in the middle of that grind or players who who are finding that uh finding that low point digging a little bit deeper and deeper you know is is that something where we as as fans and as people who are following the sport you know how how do we balance uh, enjoying and celebrating these stories with also the intrigue and the interest and the demand that comes with some of the the bigger stars on the PGA tour. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think it serves as a reminder that like to get a, to, so golf is, we talk about this all the time. It's so much about just having a couple things go your way. Right. Right. 
Like he he made here's the tweet that you're or the the thing that you were talking about from last year. Last year at the final event on the web.com tour prior to the web.com finals, Homa shot a 74 in the first round. He was T125. At the turn of the second round, he was T112. If he would have missed the cut, it would have meant missing the web.com finals where he finished uh, in the top 25 and got his PGA Tour card. So if he misses the cut at this final regular season event on the web.com tour, then he's out. He goes back to to Q school just to get on the web.com tour again. So he shoots a back nine 30 in the (laughs) second round of this last event. Birdies the last four. Also had an eagle. uh, And then... Um, went on to to the web.com finals where he finished. I think he finished 15th at the finals and the top 25 get their card. So, you know, if he doesn't shoot that 30, then, and, and that's what I'm talking about. It's, it's one set of nine holes that literally changes your life. And, but you can't have that if you only, if you can't, you can't get to that nine holes if you don't play, if you don't, keep plugging away for years and years and years at a time. And I know that sounds crazy, but like that's sometimes quantity leads to quality. And, and that's, that was the case for Homa. He just, he just kept going, kept going, kept going. And it, there was a great quote from Martin Trainer. Uh, this was on golfdigest.com who he won Puerto Rico earlier this year. And he said, you got to be a little bit delusional to pursue a career in professional golf. And, and I think that's true for most guys, maybe not DJ or, you know, guys like that. But for the Max Homas of the world, you got to be a little delusional, and and like he said, you just kind of trick yourself into believing and thinking that you can you can do it, and you're one of the best. And then you know sometimes eventually you you will be, you will get there. So I think that's a um, I don't know, it, it's a cool story of keeping your head down um, and just continuing to grind out quantity and and hoping that the work you put in someday leads to quality. Where do we uh, stack up? Um, you know, from the other side of this, where do we stack up the birthday boys performance? Because, um, <laughs> there's, I mean, there, there were shots and there were moments and there, I like, to me, there did not look to be, and you, you got your eyes on more of the, the tournament than I did. But as I was following it, checking in, turning it on, bouncing around, uh, I did not feel as though I saw any, any one truly elongated stretch of golf where it seemed like it was the combination of Rory making all the right shot, making shots, getting putts to roll in, and catching breaks. It's like somewhere between the shots, the putts, and the breaks, there was always like one part of the equation that was slightly off. Yeah, the fir- I mean, the first round was great. He has a putt for 65 on 18, misses it to shoot 66, and he's T1 after, after Thursday's round. But, you know, I, I thought his final round, the middle, so he had a stretch from holes 7 to 10, so those four holes, where he covered uh, 1,900 yards in seven shots with his driver and irons, and then 76 yards in 14 shots with his wedges and putter. So 21 shots total. He plays them in three over, and... I just thought that was emblematic of kind of the way his weekend went. He just he was so bad around the greens. I think he was I think he lost I can't remember how many strokes. He lost a lot of strokes around the greens. He was negative strokes gained around the greens over the last few days. And uh you know, I mean I look, like it feels like he played terrible, right? It feels like, wow, what's wrong with Rory? And he still finishes T eight. 
you well, know, he I'll, gains. I would argue it's hard to say it felt like he was playing terrible. It just, it felt like it wasn't going to click. It felt like it wasn't his week. And with his course history and with his 30th birthday, then there was uh, a lot of attention and a lot of spark and a lot of excitement around him being there. But, you know, just just like a lot of other sports when we watch, you know, sometimes in basketball, those those shots just aren't falling or, you know, things just aren't aren't clicking for uh, for, in, you know, any other sports team. It did not feel um, after Thursday round, whenever I was tuning in, at least that is like, oh, yeah, this you know what? Roy's about to burn this sucker down again. It just it never felt like um, everything was moving in that direction. No, I agree. And what was weird about that was he sort of started like the the start was the part of the formula that for his for winning. Like he like when he wins, he always plays. I mean, this is true most a lot of guys, but he almost always plays great in the first round. And he did that, and you're like, okay, well, you know, this is pretty easy to envision. But then just you know, he only he was only two under the rest of the week after round one. Uh, do you know what his his average finish is in 2019 though? Like on on leaderboards, mm. I'm gonna go six and a half. Wow, that's really close. It's six point seven. Mm. Well, you didn't have that, and oh, that's not in our, pro, our our show notes. But eight of nine top tens gave me at least a window to guess at. Eight of nine top tens. The only not the only place he didn't finish in the top ten was Augusta. So, you know, it it was a for his season. It was a just an average Rory performance, which is, you know, he, he gained. I think it was two point three strokes per round at Quail Hollow, which would be the best number on the PGA Tour this year. Uh, if you kind of extrapolated that, I think DJ's number two. Uh, the best, excuse me, the best non-Rory number. So DJ's number two on the PGA Tour with 2.3 strokes gained per round. So he basically was DJ for the season in this tournament. Uh, the, the, but it, it didn't feel like that because a lot of it happened early on Thursday. Mm, got it. And that's not strokes gained off the tee. You're saying strokes gained total. He gained more than two strokes against the field in this tournament. Yeah. Yeah. Per round. Hmm. Yeah. Six of the so, yeah, well, I mean, yeah. So six of the eight though, or six of the nine, were came on on Thursday in the sixty six. So it's a little, you know, you're sort of averaging some stuff out. But it was what what I'm getting at. It was it was still a really solid performance. You know, a performance that if you did that every tournament, you would rank in the top two on the PGA Tour and and strokes gained. Uh, uh, what were some of your other sort of notes or big takeaways from the action? Uh, J- Jim Nance brought this up on the broadcast and I went back and looked it up. Jason Dufter made 71 feet of putts on Saturday and Sunday. You know, you were talk, talk about, uh, the confidence that it needs. Jay, I don't know if he's, if Duff is like overflowing with confidence or if he has the most, uh, like sober understanding and view of his own game. <laughs> it does feel like both doesn't it yeah, yeah yeah like he's not all the way to delusional because he doesn't seem like a golfer who lies to himself very much stays within his game but when he's got it flowing man he's just uh, that's uh that's that's he's got the champions tour game right now <laughs> 
I mean, it's kind of incredible that he was even in the tournament. You make 71 feet of putts over 36 holes on Saturday and Sunday. I, it's not, it's not good. I mean, you're, you're just, you're hitting and it's gotta be just infuriating. I mean, it's almost an extreme version of, of Rory. Rory's a, Rory is a better putter than I think people give him credit for. DJ is a much better putter than people give him credit for. Duffner is a really bad putter, and, <laughs> but he, but he's a, but he's a really, really good ball striker. Like the disparity is is I think way different than like a Rory or a DJ that we sort of talk about when we talk about this thing. Uh, it's it's bad. I mean, and it was it was it's 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 honestly like it's tough to watch at times. So. That wasn't good. Um, I thought Fowler had a good tournament. Uh, we're going to talk about Sergio here in a minute. I thought, uh, yeah, I thought Fowler was great. He was my pick to win. Had a good weekend. You know, his his average finish. I was looking this up. He he missed the he missed the cut at the Players last year in May. Since then, he hasn't missed a cut worldwide, and his average finish is seventeenth. So he's he's a, like week in week out. He's a top twenty, top 15, almost a top fifteen guy. Um, and we only talk about the wins with guys like him, but that's a that's a high level of consistency, and he's he's trending in the right direction going to Bethpage. Mm. All right, and now it is time for Stock Up, Stock Down, brought to you by TD Ameritrade, and the focus for today's conversation is uh, the man who went real low early, made a charge up the leaderboard, and it's Sergio Garcia. Uh, Sergio on a heater is as... Uh, it's, it's it's a fun thing to watch, and especially when he starts out in one of these early groups that really kind of makes you rush to the stream, makes you pull up the PGA Tour live. All of a sudden, you're seeing him charge up the leaderboard. Um, you know, where are you at with Sergio right now? Because I feel like we've had him in the conversation for a lot of these major tournaments or bigger tournaments over the last um, you know week or so. We had all the fun with Sergio and Tommy Locks in the team play event. Um, what's, what's our, what's our stock reading for Sergio Garcia? Well, it, it doesn't feel like that long ago and it wasn't that long ago. End of last year, heading into 2019 where you're like, was, was the masters it? Like, was Is that he the, cooked? Is he totally cooked? The, seriously? Like, was that the finish line? Right. Was that, was that like the thing for him? And now it's just, you know, you play, play out the string or whatever. Uh, he is quietly having a really, really impressive season from a strokes gained standpoint. So he's number 10 on the PGA Tour in strokes gained right now, um, which is, even for him, is really good. He, he doesn't, he usually finishes in the top, you know, 25, 30, something like that. Let me read you the top 10 in strokes gained right now. So you got Rory first, he's okay. 2.7. DJ second, 2.3. Then you got uh, JT at 2.1. Justin Rose at 1.9. Then you have Fleetwood, Patrick Cantlay. Hello, Patrick Cantlay. Tiger Woods, Jason Day, John Rahm, and Sergio is 10th. So I, the company he's keeping right now, it just, it doesn't feel... It, it didn't feel going into this year, even at the beginning of the year, you had the Saudi Arabia thing. There's just a lot going on with Sergio. And now all of a sudden you look up and you're like, wow, Sergio is one of the best 10 guys on tour this year. Um, so that stock way up for me. I mean, he, he just, I think that once you win that major and, and you're, and you're older like him, like 
what does he, you know, what does he have to prove? What, what kind of money does he need? But, but to keep grinding for, for guys like him and Rose and even, even guys like Rory and Ricky who are younger, who have, especially Rory, who's done everything. Like, do you really need to put in the time? Do you really need to put in the work? And, uh, and Sergio's doing it. And so I, I, I think that's great. And he, uh, he's going to be interesting to watch. I think the rest of the year. So I thought, when he started getting in dust-ups, that was the sign to me that it was about to go down. Like, I was like, ooh, ooh, Sergio, okay. Because when your game's in shambles, that's not the time to be, uh, you know, causing fracas, right? Like, that's that's yeah. not the time when you want to be all up in the headlines being talked about. But if you think it's about to come together, or maybe if it's one of those, like, self-motivating things like he just he, like the the spark just needed to be lit because and i i think i've mentioned this on the podcast before but for the for the sergio because what was it he he won the masters and it was right before he was about to get married right right then he has uh, a daughter i believe names the yep. daughter after the augusta hole but like basically i i look at this human being who has hit a career milestone that he's been striving for for decades. He has, you know, locked up, um, you know, a, a beautiful bride. And now all of a sudden he's got a family. And so I do have this, this window where I'm like, all right, I, I could absolutely see there being a literal like honeymoon and also a honeymoon period for your game. And so when he started, you know, started getting a little testy, started getting a little fiery. I was like, wait a second, is this going to be like, okay, back from mental and game vacation, like ready to regain form, ready to see what else we can squeeze out of it? Because unless I am unaware of something, I don't think that we've got Sergio on any of our like health watch warnings, right? I mean, does he have an injury history that I am unaware of? There, there are years, there are multiple years of uh, major competition left for Sergio Garcia. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and, and I think that honeymoon you're talking about, if you look back starting at the masters last year, when he made the 13 on, on 15 at Augusta, he goes MC at the masters, uh, MC at the Texas open 70th at the players, MC, MC at the U S open. Uh, then he goes T12, T8 at a couple European events. Then he goes MC at the open MC at the Canadian open. Uh, T39 at the Bridgestone, you can't miss the cut there. Uh, <laughs> MC at the PGA. That's not a good stretch. Unless you're just uh, trying it, to get back to your wife on the weekends. In, <laughs> in, that, in that case, that's a lot more family time. And then it started to pick up at the end of the year. But I just, I don't know. I've been impressed with him this year. And uh, I we're going to talk a little bit more about him later. But I'm excited to see him at the, the rest of the majors. Coming up after the break... The Brandel Chambly Brooks Kepka rivalry has another interesting twist. About that next. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Those numbers do not add up. 
to me, and I know it can be confusing, the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple, and that's where Superfeet comes into play. These Superfeet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most, and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking uh, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there, and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order, plus free shipping. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. This is uh, this is providing Brooks Kepka the the foil or like the enemy or the rival that he needed to to sort of fill in the picture for the way that we talk about him and the narrative and the conversation because the zero personality uh, just works out a lot is so very thin and lacks some depth that now as Brooks Kepka's uh, sort of role within the, the the stuff that doesn't matter. We are talking about the things that don't matter, but that are very fun to talk about because we're gossipy like that. But like this is providing so it's making Brooks Kepka so much more of an interesting figure. And for that, I'm very, very happy. I'm very, very happy as well. And <laughs> this is this this combines many of my favorite things: golf media, strokes gained. Uh, major champions, multiple major champions. It is, uh, it's pretty great. And so what, so what happened for people, if you, if you're listening to this, you probably know, but if you don't know, Brandel, Brandel Chambly and, and Jaime Diaz, both of whom I, I really like a lot and I think are great, were on a podcast and Brandel was asked like who, who can roll a tiger or even if like tiger's the best right now. And he said, it's basically Rory and DJ. He said, in the aggregate, you'd have Dustin and Rory, who are the likely two who could hang with him. John Rom still got a lot to learn. Uh, yada yada yada. Jordan Spieth's game has fallen off, so it's really only two players who could challenge him. Him being Tiger, and he talked about Kepka at another point, and and he tweeted this out afterwards after everybody started talking about it. He said, "I give Brooks. I gave." excuse me, I give Brooks his due and I certainly have lauded him plenty in the past, but his overall game strokes gained approach averages is nowhere near as stellar as Rory's DJs or Tigers. So there's a lot going on here. And on one hand, he's right. I went back and looked up uh, Kepka's numbers and he's not, he's not a great, he's not a great iron player. I mean, he's, he's good, but he's not great. His numbers the last four years, 65th in approach shots, 97th, 91st, 67th. That's, that's 
pretty, that's okay. You know, and, and if you throw in the driver, it gets a little better. He's uh, 19th last year, strokes gained T to green, 42nd, 37th, 33rd. So that's, you know, it's good. It's not, it's not the profile that you would expect from a three-time major winner, right? So, but there are two things that strokes gain don't take into account. And those two things are, uh, one, it doesn't count uh, all the majors. So like the masters is not included in that because it's the PGA tour is keeping these stats and they don't keep it for the masters. I don't think they keep it for the U S open or the open championship either. Oh, and so when you, when you take that into account and the fact that Kepka has basically said, like, I struggle to concentrate at non majors. I think you get a little bit of like, you know, in Brando's generation, everybody, I think cared the same amount for like everything. Like they, they, they certainly cared about majors more, but they cared about the, you know, whatever the, the John Deere mm. a lot. Mm. The, listen, a lot the, money. the football coach in me just loves to hear that. Right. Every, yeah. every game on the schedule is the biggest game on the schedule. <laughs> exactly. But there, it's, it's different. It's different generation. There's more money to be made, whatever. And Kepka's like, I don't, I mean, I think if he could, he would play the Tiger four major schedule. I mean, legitimately, he's basically said like the non-majors don't keep my attention. Like I just get whatever, you know. And so I think I think we can get two stats. I do this. We can get two stats heavy and say, oh, well, look at the strokes game. Look at the strokes. Game. And and I think I think that Brandel's right. Certainly, the, there's some truth in there. Like. He's he's kind of doing the Jason Day thing where the strokes gained overall numbers look good because he's he's been putting really well, but that is not necessarily indicative of a long term great career. But then also on the other side, like Kepka's, you know, some of those major numbers aren't in there, and he certainly, I, I think everybody would agree that he elevates his game at the majors in a way that that most other, um, you know, most other players don't. So the whole thing is pretty fascinating, and it's going to be. Look, it's going to be a storyline at the PGA, at the U.S. Open, at the Open Championship, and and uh, you know maybe beyond that, who knows? And anecdotally, I like, I feel like in either the U.S. Open, the PGA, or both last year, one of the places where Kepka really elevated himself and put the tournament away was with approach shots. Uh, at which one PGA? I can't. Oh, I couldn't or? remember with which one of those. So that's why I was throwing it to you because I feel like that was one of those. Um, the, you know, everyone's trying to see. Everyone's going back and forth. You're looking all over the course. You're trying to see who could be able to catch him on the leaderboard. And every single time that um, you know he's he's sitting there with his second shot, he he was just not making mistakes and putting it in the middle of the green or setting himself up. That's I, elevated level of play. For sure. And I would say that elevated level of play on approach shots feels like something anecdotally. Again, I, I would have to look it up. I guess is data golf our only way that we'd be able to obtain the information for strokes gained approach from uh, some of the like the US Open last year? I don't even think they have it. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I think it's proprietary. So like the USGA and and uh, I th- I think I don't know. There, there's different play. It's, it's it's like the. It's like the dark web to get strokes gain approach at like, you know, but that was, it was, that was like the relentlessness of the competition and him being able to close out a championship. I, I remember that part of his game not being a weakness. 
Yeah. And so, so Shane Ryan and Mark Brody did this thing on Golf Digest last year where they looked at strokes gained. So you can look at strokes gained overall because strokes gained is just like how you did compared to the rest of the field. The problem is you have to have lasers out there to determine like to break it down into putting, uh, off the tee, all that stuff. So anyway, if you look at overall, you and I can go, if we just get a spreadsheet, we can get that number. And Mark Brody and Shane Ryan went and did who elevates their game the most at majors compared to non-majors. So like not necessarily who is the best at majors, but who's, who is the most different at majors for, for better or worse. So I looked at data from 14 to 18. So this was, the last uh, five years before 2019, Bruce Kepka at non-majors gained 1.5 strokes per round on the field. That's that's really, really good. good. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. At majors from 2014 to 2018, he gained 3.06 <laughs> strokes per round on the field. And if you listeners will remember the note from earlier, what'd you say the the leading per round strokes gained is right now on the PGA Tour actively like 2.3? Rory's at 2.7, DJ's second at 2.3. Yeah. And that's over 3 for Brooks Kepka. <laughs> 3 3.06. Jordan Spieth, get this. Jordan Spieth at non-majors uh from 2014 to 18 w- was at 2.4, which is sick. Right. It's just unbelievable. At majors, he was at 3.2. I mean, 15 was stupid. Yeah, it was it was silly. So anyway, the point there is that Kepka ranks number one on that list. Hunter Mahan second, which is crazy. Uh, Xander Shoffley, David Lamer, Steve Stricker are all up there. Um, so the point for me is that he just, he, I mean, the data right there says he just simply plays better at majors than non-majors. And a lot of that data on a granular level off the tee approach shots all that stuff is just not included in the numbers that brandel's looking at and i think that i think that deserves to be mentioned whether whatever you make of it i think it deserves to be mentioned time for the stat of the day kyle what's our stat of the day for this monday yeah you ready for this we're going back to sergio well i i shouldn't have given you the answer <laughs> so I got, I got curious after last week. We did who's the best at majors since 2018, right? And I wanted I wanted to do who's the worst. Uh, I didn't. I don't know if I did that. There's a number of ways you can do that, but uh, the most consecutive cuts missed at major championships uh, belongs to Sergio Garcia, and that's like I'm I'm saying there wasn't a break like i'm not saying like so-and-so missed one in 2017 missed one in 2013 like if you only played in six majors ever and you missed i'm not including you like i'm just doing the like the last five uh so sergio's missed the cut at every major since the beginning of 2018 all five of them um he made the cut at the 2017 PGA Championship. So the longest active streak of missed cuts at majors actually belongs to Sergio, which is kind of crazy, right? Which is the num- playing like one of the 10 best players in the world right now. Exactly. <laughs> and so I guess my one of my questions is, 
Uh, for you, who do you think is second on that list in terms of most miscuts since the beginning of 2018 at major championship? And it doesn't need to be consecutive. You're just saying like most missed cuts, period. Yes, yeah, Sergio's missed all of them, so he he obviously has the most consecutive. But who who is second in terms of most miscuts? Graham McDowell. No, nah, he. I don't. He. I don't know if he's he's played in like one maybe. Oh. Uh, I I didn't know former major champion status still had him in the mix. Uh, yeah. can you can I get a clue? Uh, you're you're on the right track in terms of international or American. Um, Terrell Hatton. No, that's a good guess. <laughs> so we're going with two other former Masters winners. Uh, Charles Schwartzel. Yes, and um. Who would the other one be? Is it... No, wait. Uh, who's the other one? Danny Willett. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Danny... <laughs> Dan, yeah, Danny Willett ain't out here burning it down at major championships. So they, they've both missed uh, four cuts at major... Now, now, part of this is like, okay, so you, you, you do have to qualify. Like, so there's some... There's... Like, you're playing somewhat good golf just to get in these events... Uh, but then once you get in, you're uh, you're not playing great. So that's sort of the uh, the other end of the spectrum. I can't imagine Sergio going with the Sergio slam again in 2019 after he missed all four cuts in 2018. I, I, I can't see that happening with the way he's playing right now. But who knows? We'll see at Bethpage here in a few weeks. What is his uh, Bethpage history? <sighs> that's a good question. We can um, we can save that for another another leader, but we'll say we maybe we'll hit that at leaderboard look back if we can find it. Yeah, I hold on, I I got it right here. So 2002. So what am I looking at? 2002 U.S. Open. He finished fourth. He finished in the top ten in all four majors that year, and then 2009 U.S. Open he finished T10. Mmm. Yeah. How you feeling about that? I I I think that I'm uh I think I'm starting to zone in on some of my uh some of my some of my golfers to back for the PGA. The irony of Sergio is that for, you know, 19 years his MO was like super consistent at majors, doesn't miss cuts, but doesn't win. And then for the last 2 years his MO is misses all the cuts, but he also wins. <laughs> I love it. Um, all right, let's do some over-unders. Max Homa, career wins. He has one now. Uh, I will set that over-under at two and a half. Uh, I will go... That's a good number. I will go over. It's hard to win. I think I think Homa is somebody who... The talent's there, right? Like, his pedigree is really good. Winning the NCAAs, Walker Cup. Great at Cal. I think I think he's somebody who's so controlled by attitude and by just the way he feels about things. And uh, you know, this will give him a ton of confidence. So yeah, I'll I'll go I'll go uh, over. I'll say he wins three times. End of the season, Brooks Kepka's uh, are we doing strokes gained total or just strokes gained on approach shots? Strokes gained total. Strokes gained total. End of the year ranking. It will either be higher or lower. I'm going to say higher or lower than 14 and a half. Mm, you're looking at the numbers that I gave you. Uh, so the last four years, he finished 12th, 13th, 12th, and 15th. And see, this is where 
his putting in a short game, which is super underrated, helps him. Because we already talked about how he's he's kind of average on approach shots, but he's helped by his driver and he's helped by uh, his putter. I will say he is uh, farther away from – like I'll say he's o- over that. Uh, or I'll lower. I'll say he finishes like he 20th or 25th. I was thinking that it was going to be lower than recently because it it doesn't seem just – Again, like kind of looking at the moving pieces, raw talent and previous results aside, it doesn't feel like he is. Uh, it, it strokes gained against the field. I just I don't see him running away from the field right now. So I I could see that. I could see it being more in the fifteen to twenty range by the end of it. Yeah, it's um, a good number though. And then Rory McIlroy, top tens in twenty nineteen. So he's got eight of them so far. Yep. He's got probably eight events left. Well, it, are we going PGA Tour only or are we throwing European? Because he's going to play the back end of the European Tour probably. Ooh. That like, that'll be after the Tour Championship type stuff? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, okay, well, yeah. Let's do include it. And in that case, over under 15 and a half. <laughs> that's so many dude rory uh, walks into a european tour event he 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 steps to the first tee of a european tour event later in the year he should be top 10 yeah yeah i just i mean that's what he's doing right now on the pga tour right right but i like that's like as as i'm, I'm trying to think is like could he double up his top 10s because i could see him getting four or five more top 10s on the pga tour slash majors this season right like I would set that at like four and a half more. That'd be 12 and a half or 13 yeah. as you're over under. And then I'm attack on like three more. I think there could be some regression with his putter. I think he was like 35th or 30th in putting so 40th. Maybe I don't know. He might be lower than that. Um, but I mean, I just, you look at Wells Fargo and you're like, I mean, I watched a lot of it and it's like, was he even, was he even playing that great? I don't I don't really feel like he was that good. And he still finishes in the top ten. So I don't know. I'll I'll go over just because I, I his from T to Green, he's just he's unbelievable right now. So I'll yeah, I'll say over. Over. Rory McElroy, happy birthday. This is this is what we're sent this is what we're giving you for your birthday here on the First Cup podcast. It's <laughs> a premonition of even more success. Congratulations. Big, a real big limb to step out on there. <laughs> exactly. Uh, he is Kyle Porter. You can follow him on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Kyle, thank you very much. Thanks, Chip.